Hello. Hi, hi. No, Dave's not here. Everyday Meeple with Steve and Mitch. There'll be an in-between. Mm-hmm. Because we did a thing, and then we, we'll do another thing, and this will be between those two things. Now it's in between a thing. Right now it's in between a thing. <laughs> and we're without Dave. That's what all that is. That's what we're doing here. Um, Dave is on vacation, and we decided we want to slow this train down. We want to keep this train rolling forward. And so we're recording an episode of The In-Between for him to listen to on his ferry ride back from Newfoundland. Oh, that's a lot of pressure. Yeah, he won't have better things to do on there. Trust mm-hmm. me. No, I mean, that means I have to buckle down and get it up before he comes home. Oh, yeah. Oh, that doesn't have to happen. Well, no, it'll happen. I can do that. Now, with with this new system, it's no problem. That's a pretty sweet setup. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Dave, I, I hope you enjoy it. I hope you enjoy it, Dave. Just Can't wait to down. get home with your car full of games. He's coming home with a car full of games. Yeah. Stop playing Friday for a second. Put away Jump Drive in your little tiny claustrophobic cabin on the 24-hour boat ride from Argentia to Sydney. And uh, listen to us talk about about games. games. I also have uh, I got a bunch of games this weekend. Yeah, what do you got there, Mitch? I bought I bought Talisman, which I'm really excited. Talisman, uh, this is Talisman Fourth Edition, so it's been around since the '80s, and this is a game that when I was young, one of my best friends uh, got for Christmas, and I don't know if it was first or second edition. I have no idea. He always had the coolest stuff. He always he's the guy I probably looked up to the most when I was a kid, and uh, so we played Talisman, and like I had to ask what the word Talisman meant because I didn't I didn't know what that meant, and it blew my mind. And it has haunted my life ever since for for what board games could be, and uh, and I've never played it again since. And I got it at a secondhand shop for thirty bucks, fourth edition, which has it's Fantasy Flight, so it's got ridiculously nice components, and you know it's it's a game from the '80s, so I'm I'm expecting it will still play the way it did, and I won't because it's not the same edition I played. It's not even gonna trigger nostalgic. Yeah, moments, I wonder. Probably, I have no. I have no idea. I've I never heard of this game. You'll until... love it. I know I will. You're gonna you're gonna play this, and I know that your brain is going to imagine that you're eight years old playing this game, mm-hmm. and and you're gonna be able to picture yourself and what it would have done for your life if this if this was you playing it. That's exactly what's gonna happen. So, I'm gonna play it like yeah, I'm a kid. For you're sure. gonna love it. Uh, it kind of makes me uh, a little jealous that I didn't know about it and that I <laughs> I didn't play anything like this as a kid. Um, as we talked about on here before, video games are my kind of thing. That it's from the eighties. I, I just assume. I that. think so. Yeah. Is it, can you? Is it on there? Did you look it up? I'm looking. I mean, I, and Greg was with us, and and I was saying to Greg, like Greg was like asking about it, and I was saying, yeah, I mean, it's a game that we're not going to play in our group probably ever. And he's like, well, why not? I'm like, it's you know, it's it's long and it's dry and it's it's a theme that half of our group doesn't want to touch. <laughs> So it's just you know, I bought it. I bought it completely to put on my shelf and have because of what it means to me. Yeah, it's a part of history, and I love it. That makes a lot of sense. Nineteen eighty-three. Eighty-three. Older than me, Mitch. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. <laughs> that that does make sense. So am I. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So yeah, eighty-three. That's. Uh, I mean, uh, when would I have played it then? So I would have played it in probably when I was in the grade six. Which right. means I would have been, what year would that have been? I would have been like seven, so, uh, 74, 80. Uh. Oh, no, it would have had to have been after that, because uh-huh. that would be that would still be 81. 
So it was probably first edition that I played. Junior high. He probably got it for Christmas. Uh, it's exciting. We were, we were talking about this the other day. I my experience with board games when I was a kid are, I feel like I know there's a lot of games that probably existed in the '90s that were were cool, but it, it felt like a really gimmicky time for board games. So I had. You know, as a kid, I had the crappy ones like Crocodile Dentist where you're pulling the teeth out of this crocodile that will snap shut on you. It terrified me, like mm-hmm. made me super anxious. But then really kind of cool-looking games that seemed like they were kind of spin-offs of like Fireball Island or something like, uh, I think it was called the Forbidden Bridge that had this really rickety kind of, um, you know, wooden plank uh, string bridge that you could that would sway and you'd have characters. It was kind of like a roll and move to get across the bridge. But I forget what exactly, maybe you roll something, you press the top of this kind of bridge that kind of looked like a scary totem kind of figure, almost like the Fireball Island guy, and the bridge would kind of mechanically rock your guys off uh, the board. So it was really aesthetically kind of cool looking. Very It was totally, I bet, based on that scene in Indiana Jones. Yeah, no doubt. And I, I think it was, it was kind of boring. I think it was not a great game. I might be wrong, but... Yeah. Mechanically, but, yeah, I don't have any memories but of, I mean, of it. But the other games were there. Like yeah. there, were, there was there was all the other games around that that were. I mean, I'm sorry, I got stuck with a lot of. I mean, I played Probe a lot right. when I was a kid, and Probe is just you you hide letters in a in a thing and try and guess what each other's letters is like Hangman. Yeah, I see Probe everywhere in thrift stores right yeah, now. It's terrible. Yeah, it's a terrible game. But I loved it. Yeah. So. I mean, both, and that's why I loved Wyatt's stuff because Wyatt always had the cool stuff. And my friend uh, Kelly Gardner, uh, I, I doubt he's listening. Hey Kelly! Hey Kelly! He uh, he had uh, he had access and allies, and he had uh, this cool. When he was younger, he had this. I can't remember what's called like crossbows and catapults. Oh yeah! And like you would build little castles with like little dudes on. I see re-implementation and you would, around. And you would shoot back and forth mm-hmm. to smash each other's castles, and that was. I mean that's. Also a plasticky, gimmicky kind of game, but it was it was ridiculously awesome and fun. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. There's but, a lot. Go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna go elsewhere. So yeah, go elsewhere. Go elsewhere. What else you got here? You got about Talisman uh, on your and journey. dad joke face off. Dad, dad joke, joke face off. Mm-hmm. Playroom and Ultra Pro, Ultra Pro and uh, Playroom Entertainment. Mm-hmm. Uh, put it out, and it's gonna be it's gonna be dumb, and I'm I'm very excited. Um, we're a bunch of dads, mm-hmm. and the premise is, uh, I think I think one of the late shows or whatever have been doing it, or one of the web late shows have been doing it, where uh, Will Ferrell, I think, sits down face-to-face like Marky Mark, and they just tell bad jokes until one of them cracks up, and when someone cracks up three times, they lose. Yeah, I wonder, I've seen, it, it seemed to have gone viral in the past, like, six or eight months, where I had seen... Um, What's that site called? Funny or Die? Die or Funny? Funny or Die. Funny or Die, yeah. I feel like it maybe came from them, but um, comics or comedians I didn't really recognize. Maybe maybe it stems from a late show, or maybe the late show picked it up from these guys. But it was a pretty funny funny thing. Listen to these horrible, punny dad jokes. I love them. Pretty much, we have we pretty much have dad joke face offs every time we every, sit down and play D and D together. Every time, and and this is going to ramp that up where now people will be able to bet. I think I think people are going to bet on this. Uh, I want prizes. Mm-hmm. I'm predicting uh, that Andrew's going to win. Yeah, I yeah I think that's a safe bet. I think I was I was thinking I was leaning towards Gavin early on because Gavin is can be quite stoic. Right. But Gavin cracks up at the dumbest stuff. 
Yes. Where Andrew, I think, can make it through. Mm. These are people in our, in our are, you know casual <laughs> game group <laughs> Don't you? who were people? telling you about... Um, That's yeah. fine. People, people know people. People probably know their own Andrew, and they're like, yeah, I think that Andrew that I know would make it through that. Totally. Yeah. Andrews everywhere are going to rock at this game. It's going to be funny. I'm going to be horrible at it. I'll be surprised if I could get through three opposing dad jokes. Well, let's, let's see what's on the box. That's, that's my bet. What, I'm, I'm not going to open it until until we actually go to play it, but see, I can't even read that. Right. Let's see what we got here. Um, how did the carpenter know the wood was cut in half? He saw it. Exactly right, because he saw it. Because he saw yeah. it, yeah. Uh, what do you call a knife on wheels? A rollerblade? Yeah. yeah. You're, you're going to win at this game just for guessing the jokes. Um, let's see here. What kind of building howls at the moon? Oh, no. Uh, a wolf? I don't know. A warehouse. A warehouse. <laughs> <laughs> a wolf house. Let's see what we got here. That's what one. size was the psychic? Oh, I, yeah, no, I'm not getting that. Medium. Oh, of course. That's that's a good one. That's that one, that one subverts uh, the dad joke a little bit. That would make people maybe make Andrew laugh. No. <laughs> yeah. Why did the hospital always close early? Is that a patient? Yeah, it had no patient. Yeah. See, I suck. I'm laughing at these already. Yeah. Oh man, I'm gonna suck at that. That's, that's why I bought it. Like I, I saw an ad online, and like whatever joke they had on that cracked me up. So I was like, oh, this is this is gonna be great. There's some. There's, I feel like there's two types of people in the world. The ones who stand facing the shower and the ones who stand facing away from the shower? Oh. Are those the two? I'm both. I do both. You do both? I alternate. Um, I think there are some people who hate pun jokes. Yeah, like roll right. their eyes and yeah. just like annoyed like, by people who tell that them. That is the basest form of humor. Yeah. I can't talk to you right now. It's below toilet humor. Yeah. Um, and then there are other people who kind of chuckle at it or consider it a bit of like a, a, a wordplay art form. Yeah. Just to be able to come up with them. It's like a, it's like a dirty type of poetry. Yeah. But not like, like limericks, which is actually dirty poetry. Yes. And I, I think at one point I stood in the uh, on the pile. I stood on the pile of people <laughs> who who didn't. Uh, You're a terrible person. <laughs> I also don't like pun jokes. Let me stand on all of you. Um, yeah, I think. But at some point, it, it's a dad joke for a reason. At some point, you just embrace them in your weird old, older aging See, bodies and brains. I, I I feel like it's unfortunate that it gets. There's this uh, dad stereotype of it because mm. it's it's a universal thing. People love bad jokes or don't love bad jokes, yeah. and they don't have to be dads for that. Teen Titans, Teen yeah. Titans Go, uh, called them uncle jokes in mm. their in their uncle joke episode, which I don't think made it any better. Uh, but at least it went away from the dads. Yeah. So the point is, everyone knows one person in their friend circle or their family who, as soon as you walk into the room, they tell you a really lame joke. Yeah. I have an uncle like that. Kamaya is the person in this community. I feel like that just slaps you with a joke as soon as she sees uh, you. Yeah. And they would. She'd love that game. She would love this game. Yeah. yeah. And she probably would do really well. I would. I would like uh, next time we have a local pub that that does a, an extremely amateur comedy night. Extremely amateur, and it's it's hilarious. People put their hearts into it, and it's been gold uh, when I've gone. And I would like to go and just read from these cards. It's a good idea. Just like not prepare, just go and like yeah, sorry, I got up late. 
just go through I'm gonna read five minutes worth of yeah. them. Throw, throw them well, over you only get like a minute them. and a half. Yeah, it's true. So, yeah, I think some I... people take like eight minutes. Bucky. <laughs> and others. <laughs> what, what else did you do and slash get in Halifax Municipal Municipality Region of Halifax? I went, I went surfing, but that's not really board game related. We went to a... a Roll the Dice board game cafe on I Don't Know Street in Halifax, mm. and it was fantastic. And I got to look at boxes of games that I've wanted to see for a long time, like some older ones and some newer ones and, and stuff. And like, there's just something about actually getting the box and being able to look in the box that, that really cements whether or not you, totally. you, you want that game or not. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, if you're looking online, like if you can't find it in the store by your house because they don't have it in, then you end up looking online at like board game store, and you can't tell from the picture. Like some of the pictures look like, oh, that's a full size box yeah. or whatever, and then you and then you see it and it's like four by four. Yeah, and it's like that's oh, why. Oh, it's a deck of cards. That's why unboxing videos have become so popular. Yeah, People get like totally. Hundreds of thousands of views because that is a a real selling point. They're like the house hunter videos of yeah. board games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know something I haven't re- quite embraced yet as a collector of board games. Uh, but I've heard people talk about, um, and it's an obvious statement, is to play before you pay. Is that a yeah? Thing? But that only works if 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 like, you have a board game cafe. If in your you have or a something. yeah. So like we had half an hour away in Riverview, and like the first time we made it out there, they closed the week later. Yeah. And uh, nothing to do with us visiting. And and the shop in town does a lot of Magic the Gathering, and I keep checking their site because every time I talk to them, they say they're going to get back to board games, mm-hmm. and he doesn't doesn't really yet. So uh, there will be. I mean, there'll be more opportunity for us here, but you know what? They I think Vortex. This is our game store in town. I think they have a copy of Seasons on their demo shelf, oh, yeah? though, no, which that. is something that's been on my buy list for a long time. And I would really like to go play it because it's like an eighty dollar game. If we're if you're able to go play it before you buy it. I think that makes sense. But yeah, it's oftentimes not the case. So sometimes you do just... I watch, uh, I watch playthroughs. Yeah, watching playthroughs. Watching like Rado runs through a game. You, you should be able to get a pretty good idea whether that is something you're going to like or not. Yeah, well, that's a good thing. Uh, we've talked about it a bunch where there are so many people who are reviewing uh, games and everybody does a really good job. But one of the things that we've we've talked about is is sort of you have to watch enough of anybody doing anything before you kind of know if your sensibilities line up with theirs. Uh-huh. And like even beyond that, like there are some uh, reviewers that have completely opposite opinions of what they think is, is fun to me, but do a really good job of presenting stuff. Totally. That I can still watch their stuff. And, mm-hmm. and just from watching them review it and from their reaction and what I know about how I feel about me and them kind of thing, I can still get a total great sense of whether or not I'll like it. Yeah, so, absolutely. Uh, so that that's a great way, uh, if you can't go play a game, start watching lots of reviewers because there are so many great ones and entertaining ones. Like, yeah. What's, what's those? Uh, Shut up and sit down, guys. I really like those ones. Uh, I've shown you a couple times where they oh, right. they make such a huge production out of playing the game, mm-hmm. and they 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 build videos. Of the style of the game that are cinematic. So and much work. Those inside the lot. box, I think they're called. Mm, that's, that's, like that, that rings true. I'm sorry for we did no prep for this. No. Uh, we just sat down and started this is a work starts tomorrow for me. So I want to get some board game discussion slash gaming uh, 
in before I go back to my slog of a job tomorrow. No, my job's great. I love it. I also go back to work, but I, it's just Monday. Nothing new. So. Hmm. Well, <laughs> what, what did you get this weekend? I didn't get anything. You want to be really bored with what happened in the past six days with me and why I didn't buy any board games this weekend? Yeah, okay. Okay. Uh, I downloaded an app called Mint. Do you know what Mint is, Mitch? Uh, is that the, the board game uh, where you Mint delivery? I wish. Because uh, that, that would be really exciting. I wish. Mint is the app where you give it your bank account and your credit card account and and those of your significant others. And then, kind of like Board Game Stats app, it, it delivers this awesome pie chart of oh, your yeah. spending yeah, yeah. and lumps it into, here's how much you spent on groceries, here's mm-hmm. how much you spent on gas, here's how much you spent on hobbies. And uh, going back through a few months, I've realized... So hobbies won. Great. Hobbies win, won the pie chart. Not necessarily, but it took up a significant chunk. Uh, it made me realize... Especially if you count beer as a hobby. That's a significant slice of the pie as well. Pie is not a part of the pie chart, thankfully. Maybe you should eat more pie. Maybe that's all that that's telling you. Maybe. But that's not what I did on the weekend, though. did manage to play some games in the past few days, which were uh, pretty fun. Um, the game I'll probably uh, throw out here that you've tried, you, me and you and Melissa got to try it first. Melissa loves it. Is Welcome To. Yeah. This is a roll and write that I put in quotations because you're not really rolling anything, but it doesn't quite matter. Because... That's what it, yeah, that's where people have lumped it in with, so. Yeah. Because you, you're writing it down. Yeah. That's uh and Welcome To is awesome. If you haven't heard about it, uh, it's um, this, you're playing the role of kind of architects or, or city engineers who are kind of designing a suburb or an area of a community. Yeah, I don't think there would be a city engineer. Like, in in my experience, mm-hmm. uh, people buy subdivisions and develop them uh, ind- independently of right. city planning. So you're you're a contractor or a, a whatever, you're, you're, you're a building... I don't. Yeah, we should have done some prep. You, uh, eh. it's not city planning. You know, you've bought a development near. You're planning that development. So you've bought a subplot of land that you're subdividing and building homes. And yeah, if you're a city planning, you that would be like the parks and the yeah. roads and the yeah. Fair enough. Uh, but either way, you my, have this... my uncle used to build subdivisions. Uh, I should call him. Hey, what do you what, what do you, what you ca- think? What do you call yeah. yourself, uncle? Um. Anyways, you have this score sheet in front of you that has uh, three streets on it, um, one row of 10, one row of 11, one, one row of 12, um, and then a bunch of ways to score on the bottom. And how you play this game is there's three stacks of cards, and uh, you put them, yeah, three stacks of cards. You flip them over, so you're seeing three numbers and three symbols, and the three symbols correspond to uh, a variety of different ways to score points in this game. So if you see a symbol of a pool, for example, um, you can so just say you see a card that has a three on it, and it's paired with a pool. If you put the number three on a house with a pool, you get to scratch off a, a box on your scorecard. Making your pools more valuable. Making your pools valuable, and you can and you can try to score that way. If you see a symbol with a park that has these palm trees on it, um, beautify your street. Yeah, whatever number you might have written on your street, you get to scratch off this little park symbol that can score you kind of... Uh, bigger and bigger scores. ...points at the end. And there's a variety of symbols like that. Uh, that It really provides a lot of choice. <clears throat> I know I, it provides three choices a turn kind of thing, but it feels like you can strategize. Am I going to go for all pools? Am I going to go for the construction symbols? 
which allows you to change the number up or down two points. Um, and the person who has the most construction symbols kind of scratched off gets more points. Um, anyways, it, for, for a simple roll and write game that takes about 20 minutes, 30 minutes to play, it it does feel like you have yeah. some say in, in how, how it's going versus just rolling dice. You know it's, what I mean? Uh, it's like you are building your own puzzle and you are slowly screwing yourself over making that puzzle mm. with every choice that you've marked down you make your next choices harder and harder and harder. And, uh, yeah, it, it's really engaging. Um, it is very solo. You know, you're not, there's no engagement yeah, with totally. anybody else at the table. But you can play with, like, you can play with 100 people. Yeah. You know? The only kind of engagement that happens in the game would be with the construction cards, like I was just saying, where you, kinda, uh, you could kind of keep an eye and be like, oh, Mitch has three of those. Uh, I only have two. Maybe I should get a couple more to try to get those seven points versus the four points. And there's also three cards that get randomly uh, put out, so like three city plans, um, and they're kind of like uh, po goals to score victory points. So it might be that you have to um, mark off four different mm -hmm. estates of um, two houses. Yeah, basically you're subdividing your streets into yeah. smaller sections to match what's on the scorecard. And if you can do it first, you get more points. You get more points. Yeah. So there's a bit of a race aspect there. Of, you know, if you can kind of keep an eye on each other's cards, it doesn't tend to happen uh, in the games that we've played. And it's the it's the game that's racked up the most plays for me in the quickest amount of time. I think we I've played it 11 times in the week and a half that I've had it. I think I've played it almost 11 times and I don't have it. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, super fun. And I've tried the solo variant and it works great for a quick little solitaire experience. And the negatives. The negatives work really well too, where they give you uh, I can't remember what we looked it up. Uh, the, the, biz. the biz. The biz. Mm. You you can whenever you've messed up enough that you can't possibly get a number between two numbers, uh, they let you put an A and a B, so you can put the same number beside the same number. Right. But if you do that, you start racking up negative points. So oh right. You know you what? You can you can fix stuff. I think I might have left out the key part of of, of oh. this is that. Yeah, when you're placing the numbers on your street, you have to place them in ascending order, oh, yeah. um, which is important when you're explaining this. Um, and that's how you end up boxing yourself in on, on, on this little puzzle of a game, because, yeah, you have to, if you've got a street um, uh, of 10 houses and you know that the numbers go from 1 to 15, you can easily start trapping yourself and you might not be able to place a 6 or you might not be able to place a another number. And that's where, what, like Mitch was saying, the, the BIS, whatever BIS is, we're not quite sure. Um, but allows you to make a 6A or a 6B um, so you can actually play something, but you do get negative points for using it. But And if you can't, it, you there's a there's a section where uh, the first person who gets the bonus points has the option to shuffle all the cards and sort of start mm. again, which lets you get those, those numbers you missed. You get a higher chance of getting them. But towards the end, if once the cards get shuffled again, you're going to start getting numbers that you can't use yeah. at all, and it... It kills the game right away because every time you can't actually place a number, you get an X and you're getting negative points. And the first person to get three X ends the game. Uh -huh. uh, that's that's of, one of the ways that the game ends. Then it ends a couple other ways too. Yeah, it can end the if you get if someone gets three of the city plans, it ends. And if someone fills in all three of their streets with all all numbers, uh, it ends. At tens, I think every game I've played so far ended because someone gets the three city plans. No, um, we had we had this one right here in front oh, of you. Oh, we did have one, yeah. I'm looking right at it. I'm looking at a score sheet. Yeah, where uh, if someone can't place a number three times, game over as well. 
but yeah, super fun. I I can't recommend that, this game enough. That was Welcome to Fartville. Welcome I, to uh, Fartville. That's mine. I ended that. Possibly one of the most fun aspects of the games. You get to name your little community at the beginning. Fartville, Thunderdome 1, Thunderdome 2, Thunderdome 3? No, no. I, I Fartville. Monkey House was the... Oh. I went to the Monkey House. Welcome to the Monkey House. Hmm. So that, uh, I'm not good with naming subdivisions. No, it's... Although I stand by Thunderdome. Let's see what your uncle has to say about it. Yeah. Um, but that's been a really fun little puzzle game. It's been There's been a couple new additions in my collection that have been great for, like, me and Susie just playing a 20-minute game. That's great. Yeah, you got Sagrada, too, which is kind of feels similar with the, yeah, the puzzle and the numbers and the solitary sort of aspect of it. Yeah. Uh, they're, qu- they're quite different. And puzzles, they're both... But... Uh, beautifully done. They both look great. Yeah, Welcome To is a French company, I think, Blue Cocker Games, mm. and then they have another publisher in uh, out of Quebec called Dude Games. There's a lot of publisher stuff going on in Quebec. I mean, the yeah. Asmode North America, I think, is based out of Quebec, and hmm. Asmodee, sorry. Um, to, to go back to Welcome To for a second, I maybe this is a dumb thing to say, but I feel like it's it's so accessible. Everyone I've shown it to so far has really enjoyed it. I have to think if it was published in Germany, it would be talked about in the Spiel talks, maybe. Or I haven't played this, this. Is it this year? When? Did... Oh, that's true. Maybe was, I don't know. I better stop talking. Yeah. Um, if we the... don't prepare, be careful how you talk. <laughs> that's true. That's why I, I that's why I prefaced it with the thing. Um, but yeah, Sagrada as well is, is a, quite a different puzzle but also pretty fun. And Sagrada is this stained glass window building yeah. game. Um, dice pool, uh, pie splitting. Yeah. You dump out a bunch of dice. Everybody individually Beautiful. selects their dice from the from the pool, and uh, you just watch them dwindle down. It's a really kind of simple idea. You have this beautiful stained glass um, component, um, this kind of big arched window, and then a spot to place Nothing your... like a church window? Yeah, like a church window. Um with these uh, spots to fit your dice, and basically you're you're rolling a bunch of dice, like Mitch just said, and, and you're drafting in turn order uh, to put in your window. Colored dice. And you just have to follow a few simple rules that seem so simple, but then they just start burning your brain. That you can you have to place uh, the you have to start on the edge of your window, and then you have to place every dice adjacent, including diagonally adjacent. Um, but you can't place the same colored dice next to each other nor the same number uh, on the face diagonal. of the dice. Except diagonally. You can place the you can place the same number and color diagonally. But you orthogonally, you have to make sure it's a different color and a different number. And and then your board has... Uh, you randomly select a board at the beginning that slides into your, your window, and that will have other restrictions where you have to place specific numbers in specific spots or particular colors in yeah. particular spots. So it gets... Uh, Puzzlier and puzzle. And similar to Welcome To, you're competing for these three kind of uh, cards that have, you're not competing for them, I guess, but these three cards are placed out randomly at the beginning where it might be like you need to have um, a different color in each slot in your row, in a particular row in a window. Um, and then you may, maybe a particular column, you have to have completely different numbers in each column. But that coupled with the restrictions in the card that you slipped into your window, coupled with just thinking about, oh, is this orthogonally, is this diagonally? It's like pretty hard to get through the game without having screwed yourself out of having a hole in your window. It's a fantastic solo game, too. Like, 
I love the. It's super hard to win solo. Like I, the closest I got was like my two. I think you're trying to hit 50 points. Something like that. Yeah. As a win, and I got like 48. And like, if, if I'm not getting 48, I'm getting like two or less. Yes, yeah, super hard. Yeah, but it's really fun. Yeah. I like like there's an extra component where in the in the multiplayer game, the last dice, like if you're playing with four players, you get uh, there's nine dice, and one of them ends up in the end getting used as mm-hmm. a turn tracker, and there's ten rounds. And with a solo player, there ends up being two left, and those two dice get placed on the turn racker, and those are the points you're playing against, mm. and they count as negative points. So you, you're, part of your regular puzzle is then to try and end up with the lowest numbers left over, and it... Uh, it, it adds something. It's really fun. Yeah, it's a yeah. cool little puzzle game. And, you know, I've, I've, me and you have talked about abstract games before, Mitch, where I'm like, I don't know how much I like them. <laughs> you you like them a lot. I do like them a lot, yeah. I think. They scratch a, 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 an itch that I like. It's just a you had quick a, little you, puzzle. Like, but you've had a weird hang-up in your head about mm-hmm. them where you didn't, like, to you, an abstract game was something else entirely. And, like, it's, yeah. take, it's taken a bit for you to understand what sort of, counts as an abstract game that's true because you you had them as like you know, just just dry i feel like you know, they, they had to have nothing yeah for you to theme. consider it an abstract game well storytelling is so important and theme is so important in games i i either heard in a video or read or misheard or misread that abstract games uh had no theme they were just kind of like checkers and chess um and immediately I was just kind of, nah, I'm not going to look into abstract games. It's just kind of the dumbest thing ever. Um, but as they come up and as I get to try more uh, different variations of, of abstract games, I'm impressed and I enjoy it. I feel like I should plug uh, Hexagony here. Andy's, Andy. Uh, oh, yeah. And I can't remember your name, Andy. Uh, <laughs> Hexagony. Uh, it's a fella in the UK. I'm sorry I'm not prepared. But uh, he's got a little game that he eventually published in 2014, and it won the Abstract Game of the Year from UK Game Expo in 2015. And uh, he had... I followed him on Instagram for a while because he does some goofy stuff on Instagram, and it was pretty funny. Uh, so I started following him, and I saw his game in the in the dollar store uh, in our town, and I, I was I was concerned. I was like, why is this here for 350 you know, uh, so I thought somebody had been selling shilling uh, knockoffs of his game, and I I took a bunch of pictures, and I was gonna gonna send him a message, a personal message on Instagram, and I pressed the wrong button, and I I ended up instigating a, a like video chat call with him, and I panicked, <laughs> so I hung up, and I was like, oh that that went terribly, so I just like ah forget it, let's just not do that, and like a week later. He posted on his Instagram, Big Canada Flag, and was like, he said something about, in, in like 2015, I think, he had uh, shipped 720 games to Canada that, that somebody over here had ordered a bunch of games, and then he was just sort of asking, has anybody seen them? He's never heard from them since, kind of thing. So then I personal messaged him, and they said, oh, I yeah, I found a bunch in town here in the, in the dollar store. And uh, so I sent him the pictures, and we found the production code on it and stuff, and so they were they were legit. Those were the the missing games, and I guess, and I looked it up too. And the company that had imported them uh, had changed ownership that year as well. So they they were a legit company who dealt with some pretty big names in in games and toys, 
and uh, they had changed over their entire ownership and uh, CEO and stuff that year. So I wonder if it just sort of got sort of lost in the mm-hmm. shuffle, and then uh, and then they got what's the word sold off basically. Yeah, yeah. Uh, fire sailed, and they came out this year in, in dollar stores. So they're in the chain of dollar stores. Uh, here on the East Coast, anyway. It's a fun little game, it, and it's a great game. Like it's a it's a really good game. I ended up going and uh, buying out the store, and Andy uh, paid for them, and we did up a little thing, a little sticker on them, and we started giving them out to the cafes and stuff. And like a uh, few people have said they've they found it in the cafe and played them. I don't I don't know everybody, so hopefully more people are playing. Yeah, them. well, th- this whole thing that you're talking <laughs> about happened while I was on vacation, and you just kind of sent me a message like, hey, this this thing happened. I'm like, oh, cool, a little connection. You found these games of this this guy on the other side of the ocean. Um, and then when I got back to town and I went down to the, the Black Duck Cafe with my family, um, that was on the shelf. So we just grabbed it, and me and my son were just messing around with it. He just liked putting the hexes together like an abstract kind of puzzle. Um, but we tried it out and read the rules, and yeah, you did a great job of putting uh, putting a little package together with a rules variant and a um, kind of, I think, explain the turn order or the, the well, rules a little simpler. I guess he was saying that his wife had come up with uh, the original one. You you divide up, like if you're playing with two players, you divide the tiles into two, and uh, so everybody gets sort of so many of one, so many of the other. And as you play, you get to pick which tile you're going to place. And in the new variant that I guess his wife had come up with, you just put everything in a bag, and on your turn you randomly oh, draw one. A bag, right. So that's the way that I was playing, and that's the way I played with Dave, and that's the way I played uh, with everybody that I played with. And it works great, and uh, you know you can fun block, but if you pull the wrong tile, you can't block or whatever. Right. And so our scores were, were really even. It was very nicely balanced, uh, but fairly high. And then I talked to Rob, who was playing with Melissa, and they were using the original variant because they had, I'd bought them a box that didn't have the new stuff in it. Right. And uh, and their scores were like three nothing, hmm. three to four. Yeah, because the game two to three because you're... they could specifically pick which tile they wanted, and so they could always block. Right. So it's really neat that there's the two. It's almost like that you can crank the level up. Yeah. Just by playing the one variant or the other. Because you're just placing these uh, colored hexes, either white, blue, or red. And to place your next hex, it has to connect to the same color. And yeah, so if you're red, you have to connect your red to another red. Right. And and the everything else has to align properly. You right. Can't, you can't just connect your red and, and not think of the other one. So everything has to align properly, but but your goal is to connect the red, and you can't you can't on your turn connect a blue if you're red. Right. Right. You 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 connect a blue if it happens to be there, but you're working on the reds. And you're and trying to complete full hex. Full hexagon. So, and you get bonuses if you can surround. There's one solid color of yours. So if you if you have that one placed, and you end up getting that one completely surrounded, you get mm-hmm. bonus points for that one too. Right. So, yeah, it, it's a great game, and like, and kids love it because they can make shapes and, and pictures with it. So yeah, it's nice and tactile. Well and worth having. Yeah. And if you're on the East Coast, go to the dollar store, and if they have it, it's three fifty. Like. Yeah, that's a, don't don't let these die there. Go go pick them up and play them. <laughs> Good as it gets for a nice yeah, little abstract a, game. Twenty fifteen UK Game Expo is a is a pretty pretty big nod. So yeah, that's true. So is it Andy Allen. Andy Allen. Yeah, yeah. that rings up. Hey, a Andy. nice little ring to it. Yeah, Andy Allen. And, and, but see, and he doesn't have his name on the box, and that's that's unfortunate too. Hmm. Next printing, Andy, put your name there. He's been working on this since since the seventies, and like it's almost he's almost published it a couple times, uh, where he's gotten close. Put out like uh, prototypes and stuff, and then he didn't actually end up 
getting it all together and out until 2014. And now, unfortunately, like now he's competing with Sagrada and like Azul. And like, yeah. so now, now he's in a category that, that is full of theme, full of rich, rich mm-hmm. games. Uh, so I, I, you know, it's, it's a little, it's tough for him. Uh, I know he was just at, at uh, in Scotland this weekend. I think he did well selling a bunch of stuff, but, uh, you know, he's got, he's up against some tough competition now. So if he would have got it out, you know, 10 years earlier, it might've yeah. been, might've been a household name. Who knows? Hmm. That's that Who story. knows? That's a cool story. I like that one. What else? We got to try Isle of Trains the other day, Mitch, oh, for the man. first time. It's been on your shelf for a year and a half or something. At least. Shelf of shame? What do you call that? Buy yeah, a game and it sits there and sits there. And I, I've taken I a it out. Of those. This is a really small box. It's a very small card game. And it's done up with this delightful golden book art. It is it is cutesy-wootsy. Uh, to say the least. Uh, super tiny. Super box. tiny. And, like, I've brought it out at least five times, opened it up, explained it as best I could in a, in just to, just to get people interested. And, like, it is so intimidating for such a tiny box and such a Cutesy cute box. picture. Yeah. Uh, because it has these multi-use cards, which are brilliant, but are so icon-heavy for such a cutesy little game that, like, people's faces kind of glaze over or go white and then I just like tuck it back in the box and I'm like oh we can play something else it's fine yeah that's exactly what's happened multiple times and it's, it is. it's like Race for the Galaxy and like the first time I opened it up I hadn't played Race for the Galaxy which predates this game by you know years yeah but I hadn't played it yet and so the the concept of having a hand of cards where you have to pay for the cards in your hand with the cards in your hand made no sense to me yeah you so got you to discard to be able to play them in front of you. Yeah, so you you start off with a train engine. You want to add on train cars, and then the multi-use cards can be turned sideways, and each one has uh, a type of like resource resource that it is that can be loaded onto particular cars that accept that resource. But in order to do that, each card has a value that you have to pay, and some of them you only ever have five cards in your hand at the start of your turn. And some of those cards have values of 7, 8, and 9. And in order to pay for them, you have to spend your cards. And the only way to get cards into your hand is to play your resources on other people's trains. Because when you play them on other people's trains, you get bonuses. And and you can't get those bonuses by loading your own train. So it's really neat where you have to help the other player in order to get more cards, to play more cards. Yeah, uh, it's pretty awesome. Yeah. And it, we only played it with two players, which I think uh, breaks the game a little bit because as soon as someone has a car that's working for someone else, then they don't have to reciprocate. You know, like I the first game we played, I had a car that worked for Steve to load and get cards, so he would load mine, and then I would just trade those cards in for my own cards. And I never really reciprocated loading his own trade. So yeah. he had to work a little harder to get anywhere. And then in the second game, it was the reverse where... I ended up with something that Steve could use without having to feed me back kind of thing. and Yeah. But it ended up being, it was really interesting. And, I mean, I think me constantly loading your train was uh, a product of having just played it for the first time. Yeah. I, I think with two players, you'd be really wise to use that uh, limited. Like the fact that you're, you know, I, I'm, I have no cards in my hand. I really want to draw four cards. I could just put a little oil resource in Mitch's uh, car and get four cards. 
I probably would do that once to yeah. see if I could get a turn. But if I do that like five, six times in the game, Mitch is going to win. Um, whereas I think, like you said, in like a four-player game, um, you could kind of look around, maybe get a sense of who's doing okay, who's doing well with the game, and you could you could use other people's cars without giving them a huge advantage. Yeah, maybe, but I also think that it, it sort of mimics Race for the Galaxy in the race aspect. Yeah, you're right. It's yeah. a very short game. You play to, there's six main contracts in the middle, and then every time you take a main contract, you have to flip it over and finish one of the contracts on the other side before you can go after another main one. And the game ends when four of the main ones have been done. Yeah. So like there's a there's a very big race aspect to it. So if you can get and and none of the contracts are asking for much. No. Like they're all very easy to to fulfill. So you can easily get get things going just enough to get all the contracts bought. Yeah. So so I think if you if you like try and like mitigate things too much and go slowly and not not try and and do that you you know you you could end up behind because yeah for such a simple looking game it's, it's deeply strategic you know like i just thinking about what you were just saying it's kind of like you know you're faced with this at least in a two-player game you're faced with these decisions and choices of of like me sitting here and being like all right i'm three turns away from getting that second contract i could probably get it in one turn if i load if I give Mitch a card, if I load up a card on Mitch, but if I do that, and then I'm looking at your train tableau, I'm looking at your hand of cards, well, not looking at your hand, but looking at how many you have. You've been looking at my hand the time? <laughs> looking at your your hand of cards and being like, oh, but if I load that up, he may just win in two turns. Like, there's, there's a really cool dynamic of, do I just kind of do my own thing, or do I try to like make mm. this happen quicker by, by loading up my opponent's trains? I, it's I noticed, fun. I notice I play like Race for the Galaxy all the time, where I'm always counting your victory points. That I have laid face oh. down. No, like, like I can see how much your trains are worth. Yeah. I can see your, like, so I, every time we play Race for the Galaxy, I try and keep a tally of, mm-hmm. of where everybody's at point-wise, and I do the exact same thing with that game, where I'm, I'm looking at what contracts you've done, mm-hmm. what, what contracts you can finish, and, like, what all your points are, to, so, like, to know, like, should I, should I finish, or do I need to get... You know, a, 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 yeah. a better train. Do I need to upgrade my boxcar to get like three more points? And like, right. and I thought I had you the second game, mm-hmm. and I didn't notice that you'd put that last building out on your last turn. Yeah, and that was eight points. Yeah, so, that was the best thing I could do on my last turn. Yeah, and I had screwed up my last turn by not realizing that I, like, I I rushed for what would be the most points instead of realizing that if I would have put it in the right spot, I could have finished my last contract, mm-hmm. which. It's a cool would game. Have been more points. There's not there's not too many like we have a pile of games that we want to get through and play. We constantly neglect games when for for others. Um and you know, this one's been sitting on the shelf for way too long. As a testament to how good it is, we played it once and then played it immediately again, which doesn't happen with every game. Because no, no. we're usually quick to be like, Well, we did this, let's try something else because we've got so much we want to play. And anytime a play game play. gets immediately played again, it's it, I think it's a good game. It's a good sign. Not- yeah. Or it's a great sign. It's not necessarily a good game, but it's definitely, definitely a good sign that there's there's something there. Yeah, absolutely. I'm just looking at it now. It's twelve ninety five on Amazon. Oh, like, I, I bought it for nine bucks. Yeah, it's it's, it's pretty solid value. If you like something like Race for the Galaxy with like Fifty First State, there's some similarities if there. If you like Race for the Galaxy but can't get friends to to play it because of the space theme, get this train game. It's it's cute and yeah. it's, and it plays really similar. And once you get the rules, it probably plays a little shorter. It's not. It doesn't have the depth of Race for the Galaxy. Don't 
don't think yeah. that's the wrong. It's a very light game. It uh, you're building, you're literally building engines. Yeah. <laughs> To, to get going and like it's it's super light but it has that same feel to it in a really small box and a really quick feel yeah it's pretty cool greater than games seth jaffe and dan keltner designed it i don't know those names but do now yeah, cool art very cool art it was a good one i'm looking forward to playing it again introducing it to a couple more people trying it with four yeah i it reminds me of uh another one that had sat on my shelf for a long time, and uh, I've slowly got it out, and it's one of my favorite games, really. The uh, the Valley of the Kings. I have Valley of the Kings mm-hmm. Afterlife, mm-hmm. and it is it is a deck builder that is so streamlined into the essential joy of deck building. Like your deck is is constantly changing as you as you burn through this game. It's a really quick game, mm-hmm. and you just your cards are in a constant state of flux as you as you in order like it's set in egypt the the market that you're getting your cards from is built as a pyramid you can access the bottom three cards and then there's two cards and then there's one card and as you purchase one of the cards from the bottom you decide how the the pyramid sort of crumbles down and then you have access to another card and every card has special abilities and every card is part of a set that you're that you're collecting through the game mm-hmm. So the cards that are available all have victory point values that are useless until you can place them into your your own tomb. So you're gathering all of the sets, all of the items, all of the everything into a tomb that is sort of celebrating your life. And that's the only way to get points with the cards. So in order to get points, you have to get rid of the cards. And you're allowed to do that once a turn. You're allowed to buy a card once a turn. You're allowed to use an action. And then all of the cards have have something that break all of that. And yep. chain together and cause more things to happen. And it's it's another sort of race through the deck to get as much points as you can. And it's you know the everything you've loved about uh, deck building is chaining stuff together. Mm-hmm. And this game has so many cool ways to chain stuff together. And like the first time Dave and I played it, just two players, and like I was I was giddy the whole time, just like oh my god, I can't believe I can do this, and, mm-hmm. and this is so fun, and like. You know, I was immediately like, oh, "Steve's got to play this game. Steve's gonna love this game." And, and but but we play it so rarely. It is one that's played rarely, and you're right. It is it's it's a similar little race, uh, but rather than building tableaus, you're, you're building this deck that can chain really well. I, I find the game tough. This is the thing that that maybe is holding it back from getting some plays. Is you know you having played it just a few more times really than yeah, anyone it's else. Yeah, a huge advantage. It's a huge advantage. It's a it's a bit of a learning curve and. Uh, Trying to determine which cards chain well together, um, which guy, which cards synergize, and then weighing that with like, oh, well, when do I put cards over in this tomb? Yeah, and you end up putting cards there too early that you should have kept to use uh, later in the game. It's it's hard to win. You'd have to maybe play it a few times. It, it is a yeah. It's a huge huge advantage to have played it at all before somebody else. But it would be just really kind of beautiful uh, game if if both. Is is it just a two player game? No. 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 I think huh. it's four. Right. But if you can play with uh, my point in asking was if you can play with a group of people who could that. get to know the game really well, it'd be a really tight kinda strategic game. Um uh one to four players, yeah. Cool. I didn't I didn't realize it was one. I'll have to try it. Yeah, one well that'd be a good way to learn it too, if I yeah. I could take it home, learn it sometime and see if I could give you a run for your 
I started playing with Rob one time, and Rob really liked it, but we didn't get through it all. Tom Cleaver, AEG, is a great production, nice box, it, nice It cards. has, I mean, it's it's rated really well, and uh, I can't remember the blog. Uh, there's a, a board game mechanics blog that uh, just talks about mechanics, etc., etc., and whatever else he, he wants to about board games, but he had a, and i sorry, I'm unprepared, can't remember anything. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll look it up. I'll try I'll try and find the, the we'll link. Put it in the notes. Put it yeah. in the notes. Uh that guy had written a blog about his top however many, uh, I, think it was, I think it was 10. Right. Let's say sure. 10. Top 10, 10 deck builders, and this was in it. And uh, and other people have said that as well. It might be, and I, I might, I, so many times we do these shows and I end up having a little gray thing at the bottom. Yeah, Mitch was totally wrong. Yeah, whatever. Uh, it's all good. Rado might have said the same thing. Well, I can see why gamers would really love this game because a lot of deck builders... You know, Dominion, Thunderstone, um, Ascension, um, Clank, like, they're awesome. Like, you, you can get something really, something happens to your brain just being able to build a deck, right? Just acquire cards, be like, oh, I got money to spend, I'm going to buy this. And it's really fun just to buy cards without really even thinking of strategy sometimes. Whereas if you're playing with a game like Valley of the Kings, where, you know, going in, you know exactly what's in there, you kind of know when it's going to come out in terms of, like, the level of the yeah. cards. It could be, like, a pretty... It's not, like, perfect knowledge, but, you know, the same way, like, people really love, like, a game of uh, Agricola or something where it's, like, you know, the same thing yeah, is yeah. going to happen yeah. every game. It's, it's just it's how well you're playing it. But, but how but well you you're playing it. your way through it. Yeah. So I can see gamers being being able to really try, trying to master how to build a perfect deck within this little sandbox of, uh, of the game, you know? It's neat, too, because it's almost a misnomer where you're not... You're almost not building a deck because you're constantly sloughing your cards mm-hmm. off. Yeah. So you you keep it extremely clean and trim and like the goal is to like ha- like last time I played I I don't think I had more than nine cards in my hand in my deck at a time. Yeah. So that like every time I had a, a new card and like all of my cards would go away. And yeah. it's the same same thing that I do with Eldorado where I try and keep my deck down to like seven cards in Eldorado mm-hmm. because which is how to do it. Oh my I god. Think. Yeah. Yeah. That's a whole other topic speaking El Dorado. of speaking of games uh like valley of the kings where you're getting your cards from a pyramid of cards um you and i got to try seven wonders duel oh, again yeah. the other night that's a good segue yeah, right i thought so Perfect. 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 it was yeah. brewing in there for a few minutes um yeah so if anyone has uh not played seven wonders seven wonders duel yeah. it's pretty sweet it's um seven wonders duel is just particular uh particularly designed for two players um, you're drafting cards, but rather than passing a hand of cards back and forth, there is a uh, setup on the on the table of a pyramid shaped where some cards are revealed, others are face down, uh, and as you uncover cards, more get revealed. Um, and yeah, you're just drafting a card a turn, adding it to a kind of tableau in front of you. Maybe you're adding some resources like wood uh, that can then be used to purchase other cards later. You're acquiring gold from some cards. You're acquiring these kind of um, science. Uh, symbols which give you um, a, a chance to to win the game through through scientific knowledge. Yeah, collecting a set of, of seven different ones. Yeah, yeah, collecting a set of I think it's it might even be six unique symbols. You can just win seven the game. Wonders and it's six things. I know. Ah. Maybe, maybe it is seven because a lot of other things are seven. Um, you can you can if you take a military card from the um, from the pyramid, 
and you place it down, a, a little there's a little military board that comes out with a, a token in the middle, and every time you play a military card, that token moves closer towards um, on a track towards your opponent. And if you get to the end of that track, you win militarily. I, that's one of the, I really like the way it changed the way military works from regular Seven Wonders. To yeah, totally. Because I find in regular Seven Wonders, I can completely ignore the military till the third age, mm-hmm. and and then. You know, whenever it's worth something, and then then pay attention to it. Where the the first first age, like nothing really hurts you. Second age, it's you know mm-hmm. it's not so bad. And then the third age, you just it's easy to get. And then yeah, and then you get points. Yeah, it's it's a pretty. They did a really good job of uh, adapting the Seven Wonders like the full yeah it has group the, game. It totally feels like it, like just for the I mean the, the look the and the way that the cards work. Yeah, uh, but it made it made it very quick and very very fun to get player game. And Seven Wonders is a fun game on its own too. I really like it, and it's great that you can play with seven people, you know, and just draft cards and fills the table when seven people are putting these tableaus out. But uh, when we met uh, like four years ago, Seven Wonders was the number one game on PGG. Right. So, and it still it holds up really well. We played it within the year or or last and year it had a been few times. Years, I think. Yeah. It's pretty. It's pretty awesome. This is just a two-player version that I think maybe refines some things, like Mitch said. The military. Uh, also, I feel like because you can win the game through playing military cards or through gathering science uh, symbols and science cards, um, it really puts this focus on blocking those cards from your opponent. And we last game we played. The first game we played, I beat Steve with the military. Dave, too. First game me and Dave played, he beat me military. And it seemed easy. So the second game we played, which I've only played twice, uh, that was, I, you know, I couldn't avoid that. I couldn't ignore the fact that that worked so well. And I almost had him. I had him on the ropes. I was like one one spot away. I thought it was doomed. From winning the game. And he was able to block me and back back the whole thing off to a point where I could not, it was no longer a viable option at all. Like, it... it completely killed it and it kind of crushed my spirit where like i had all of my eggs in the one basket and right. was just like this is you know I, I was pretty sure it was insurmountable odds at that point that you had been working on your own plans and and i had you know i'd been taking whatever i could but mm-hmm. nothing felt like i had any anything going on and that was like my hail mary and it and it just it fell apart so i was kind of i spent the last many rounds just like defeated hmm. and, and it uh, was still really close so i think by the I, time we totaled it up, i won by like two points or like oh right you won yeah. i thought i won Jeez. no I, I i i ended up winning by like a point or two and it was just like it's so unexpected it yeah it's hilarious it's, but that's a that's it i think like you know um the regular seven wonders i feel like you can you can win if people are neglecting science cards or if people are neglecting military cards in the third second third age like you were saying that's a way to to, to win pretty regularly, I think. I, th- I think it's a neat thing where I think if everybody has, if you're playing with like five people and everybody has played before and everybody kind of has their idea of how to win, yeah. you can sort of see it happen right. where people lock into something and then whoever can lock into the thing that nobody else has locked into might win. Yeah. You know, like everybody, well, oh, look, those two are going for science cards. And right. Those, and, and like, oh, no one's, no one's buying the blue cards at all. You can end up buying all the blue cards and, and just destroy everybody. Which I remember that working for you a time yeah. or two. Um, the other really cool thing that I, I like, and this is what almost won me that last game, was at the beginning before you 
draft from the regular pyramid of cards. Um, we have to draft these kind of more larger cards, and you, we draft seven wonders, yeah. which are these um, these cards that you kind of put aside for the game. Well, they're they're similar to your your wonders in yeah, seven wonders. Yeah, right. I forgot about those. They're similar to the the main wonders that you have. You might have the pyramids. You might have a big statue of Zeus or uh, Babylon or something like that. Uh, and they they kind of stay aside at least for the first round, because they cost a lot of resources to put them in play. To power them up. To power them up. But how they work is rather than take a card from the pyramid and put it in your kind of tableau, you can take it uh, and slide it under one of your seven wonders, uh, which kind of activates them. And then they, they trigger these kind of cool things where it might be one military and your opponent has a t- who discard a card. Or the real awesome ones that I always try to get are the gives you an extra turn right away. Yeah, and I think that's what saved me, or it did save me because I didn't win. But it's what saved me from not losing <laughs> yeah, to the military, yeah. because, um, and this is the thing I think I really like about Seven Wonders Duel the most is that slow reveal of cards as you work your way through the pyramid. It's kind of like, all right, there's two cards available in the bottom row of the pyramid. If I take the one on the left, two cards are going to flip up. Two new cards. I don't mm-hmm. know what they are. If I take the one on the right, one card's going to flip up. And I'm kind of like, oh, I have no choice. I have to take that card. And then if a military card flips over, Mitch got me. So I was looking at my wonders, and I'm like, oh, right, I have this bonus turn wonder. I'm like, I'm going to do that. So I take one of the cards. Two cards flip up. One of them is military. Mitch will have me next round. But instead, I put it under my wonder. I get an extra turn, and then I'm able to take that military out of play. There's really cool kind of decisions that can happen in that game. In the same thing, my wonder let me dig through the discard pile. (sighs) And if I could have found a military that had been discarded from you for that, that had two on it, I'd have won. Yeah. But the only thing in the discard pile was a one, and that was my last chance to win with the military. Yeah. And then you had the the science token that let you get an extra military with every one. Which so also kind of saved me. Backed yeah. you off like three or four. Yeah. And then the last military, military card that was even available was a three, so I couldn't even... Right. It was all over, folks. And then you won. <laughs> and then I, I won. Yeah, that was weird. Yeah, uh, but it's fun. I really enjoy that game, and that's it's the same designer as the original Seven Wonders, Antoine Antoine Bauza, but Bruno Cathalva came on and and helped oh, yeah? with the duel. I did not know that. Yeah. Cool. That's neat. I don't know how we're doing for time, but uh, that's it. We're we're over. Are we running over? Oh God! Wow, look at that a couple chatterboxes. I, I hope it's a long trip, Dave. Couple chatty Cassies and Dave's. Dave's bringing back Tyrants of the Underdark and Through the Ages and. Scythe expansions, he'll tell us all about them sometime, I'm yeah. sure. I'm, I'm excited for Tyrants of the Underdark. That's going to be fun. I'm really excited for Through the Ages. I love a lot of Schwachiel. I, I, at the Roll the Dice Cafe in Halifax, I picked up the box for Roll Through the Ages, and right. it's huge. I didn't it expect huge. it to be huge. Yeah. I, I expected it to be like a small box, because uh, it's just like... It's a rolling, right? Little, right, for the most part. Well, it's rolling peg. Right, yeah. I'm really excited about that game. I added that to my want list recently. Yeah, roll, roll, roll through, through the ages. Well, let's yeah. drive to Halifax and try it before you buy it. <laughs> if I, this was six years ago and I had no kids, I would do that. All right, we should we should get out of here. Definitely. See you Catch. soon, Dave. Bye, Dave. Don't unsubscribe, Robbie. <laughs> <laughs>